You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 and 2, overall commands. If the entire book of Leviticus was a term paper, this chapter would be the concluding paragraph. It includes forceful comments meant to wake the nation to its serious duty to obey God. It follows the pattern of ancient covenant contracts made between nations or individuals in which benefits and penalties are laid out at the end of the document. This is not a manual in how to attain heaven, since it is not focused on individuals but on the nation as a whole. The rain blesses all of them, plague or exile includes all of them as well. Matthew Henry says, But national prosperity was the effect of national obedience, and national judgments were brought on by national wickedness. As a summary of the laws God has given to the Israelites through Moses, he reiterates three main overarching commands which encompass the others. First, they are not to make idols or set up an image or sacred stone for themselves, or place a carved stone in the land once they get there, to bow down before it in worship. Why not? Because I am the Lord your God. God hates idolatry. He is the only one worthy of worship. Idolatry characterized the surrounding nations, and they were to be different. The next two are related. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Verses 3 to 13, Reward for Obedience. These rewards were conditional on their obedience, as we see from the if-then format. They had to make an effort. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, there would be a reward for their effort. I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. Rain was the key to avoid crop failure and famine. But wait, there's more. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Not just success in battle, but completely out of proportion to the size of their army in relation to their enemy's army. Such victories would characterize the future conquests in Canaan. Still more, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. God is a faithful God, and this goes back to the original command at creation, repeated after the flood, and part of the covenant promise to Abraham. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. An amazing bumper crop that overlaps the new year with the last. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. A promise of relationship and presence. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. So these blessings are tied to their redemption from slavery. 
such a change in status from slaves to princes. These are incredible blessings. Psalm 33:12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Verses 14 through 17, Punishment for Disobedience. Because this was a conditional covenant, in addition to rewards or blessings for obedience, there would be punishments or curses for disobedience. God describes this disobedience as first of all a heart issue. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then the curses will not just be external but internal, like sudden terror, anxiety and weakness, as well as illnesses and fevers that destroy their sight and sap their strength. They will plant seed in vain, because their enemies will come in and eat their crops. They would be invaded at harvest time. And this would happen in Judges 6, 3-6 during the time of Gideon. Because God would set his face against them, they would be defeated by their enemies. Those who hate them would rule over them, and they would flee even when no one was pursuing them. This was because of fear and anxiety and was the opposite of the victory against a superior force promised in verses 7 and 8. Verses 18 to 20, Consequences of Obstinacy God says, If after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. The goal of any discipline is a change in behavior, but God anticipates their stubborn response. As their sin increases, so do the consequences. He says, I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. So this affects their crops. No rain and an unforgiving ground. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crops, nor will the trees of your land yield their fruit. Although working hard to produce food was part of Adam's curse, this will be worse. Verses 21 through 22, more to come. Just as the blessings uh, were added to other blessings, so the curses. God says, if you remain hostile toward me and refuse to listen to me, I will multiply your afflictions seven times over as your sins deserve. Before we cry, unfair, remember that these are what our sins deserve. Nothing requires that God be merciful, or it's no longer mercy. I will send wild animals against you, and they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle, and make you so few in number that your roads will be deserted. Usually, activity on a roadway reflected the well-being of the country, but now they would stay indoors because of fear for their safety. Verses 23 to 26, Still Hostile? Contempt of God's commandments would lead to contempt of his correction. God says, If in spite of these things you do not accept my correction, but continue to be hostile toward me, I myself will be hostile toward you and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. God wanted to reform them through this discipline. And I will bring the sword on you to avenge the breaking of the covenant. This was the reason for all the curses. They would have broken the covenant they promised to keep. When you withdraw into your cities, I will send a plague among you, and you will be given into enemy hands. 
They would think they were safe in their fortified cities, but God would send a plague into their midst, and their enemies would be victorious. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven, and they will dole out the bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. These are famine conditions, indicating scarcity of ingredients and other resources like ovens. They will have some food, but not enough to satisfy their hunger completely. And this will happen several times in their history. Sword, famine, and pestilence. These punishments and curses would occur while they were still in their land. Verses 27 to 30, from bad to worse. God says, If in spite of this you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then in my anger I will be hostile toward you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. This repetition of seven times over the previous section shows how the punishments are ratcheted up. Their hostility to God results in his hostility to them. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. This is the horrific result of famine conditions. There will be many instances of cannibalism in Israel, including during the siege of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and pile your dead bodies on the lifeless forms of your idols, and I will abhor you. These were the shrines for their idols. Just as the idols were lifeless, their lifeless bodies would be tossed on the altars. Verses 31 to 39, Exile If all of those punishments still have no effect on their hard hearts while they are still in their land, then exile is inevitable. God says, I will turn your cities into ruins and lay waste your sanctuaries, and I will take no delight in the pleasing aroma of your offerings. Imagine hearing this. God, who dwelt with them in the tabernacle, would allow it to be taken by their enemies, and no offering would appease him. In case they thought it was just a coincidence, he takes the credit for it. I myself will lay waste the land, so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. Even the neighboring nations would be so, so shocked to see that their God had forsaken them. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. They weren't even in the promised land yet, and the shadow of losing it was already looming. The image of God's sword pursuing them is a terrifying image of terror and violence. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. In chapter 25, we learned about the Sabbath rest for the land that they were to observe every seventh year. So please refer there. God tells them that if they refuse to obey it, then he will ensure it happens while they are away. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. Those who survive the attack on their land are not much better off. God tells them, As for those of you who are left, I will make their hearts so fearful in the lands of their enemies that the sound of a wind-blown leaf will put them to flight. They will run as though fleeing from the sword, and they will fall even though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble over one another as 
though fleeing from the sword, even though no one is pursuing them. So you will not be able to stand before your enemies. Fear and anxiety will be their constant companions in the land of their enemies. How different from verses 6 and 9, which promised peace, God's favor, fruitfulness, and covenant. All these terrible things would occur when the northern kingdom of Israel was invaded by Assyria in 722 BC and most were exiled there. Then the southern kingdom of Judah was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. This Sabbath rest of the land applied to them and their exile lasted 70 years. 2 Chronicles 36 These were prophecies which God knew would be fulfilled. Matthew Henry says, Those who will not be parted from their sins by the commands of God shall be parted from them by judgments. You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will devour you. Those of you who are left will waste away in the lands of their enemies because of their sins. Also, because of their ancestors' sins, they will waste away. The northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes, never returned directly from captivity like Judah did. Not only were they warned in advance, but throughout the centuries God sent his prophets, but they and their message were rejected. 2 Chronicles 36 says, The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again, because he had pity on his people and his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. The day of grace was over, it was too late, judgment was inevitable. Verses 40 to 45, a provision for repentance. The chapter started with blessings, then led to curses. Now God offers hope, even for those who are in exile. This would mean a lot to those who would read these words in Babylon. They would be told their exile would last 70 years. Jeremiah 25:11. But if they repented, they had hope that God would not completely reject the nation. God says, but if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them, so that I sent them into the land of their enemies, then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. He names the three main patriarchs in reverse order to view them in retrospect rather than chronologically. For the land will be deserted by them and will enjoy its Sabbaths while it lies desolate without them. They will pay for their sins because they rejected my laws and abhorred my decrees. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them. I am the Lord their God, but for their sake I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. His covenant is rooted in the relationship he initiated with his people. Verse 46, Summary Verse Then we read, These are the decrees, the laws, and the regulations that the Lord established at Mount Sinai between himself and the Israelites through Moses. Scarlet Threads 
So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? There were blessings if the Israelites obeyed and curses if they disobeyed. Obedience is still required, although the details are different. We will experience the same based on our works, both now and in eternity. The law threatens but cannot empower obedience, but Jesus took the curse of the law and freed us from the wrath of God. The best blessing was the relationship with God. The best thing about salvation is a personal relationship with God, and the best thing about heaven will be the presence of God um, with his creatures. These blessings are tied to their redemption from slavery. We are blessed because we have been redeemed. Because these things happened, God did as he had warned, and these curses fell upon them, including exile. God keeps his word. The rainbow after the flood reminds us that this promise includes his promise to judge sin or to withhold judgment. Though they would be unfaithful, it would be the faithfulness of God that would be that would prevent their utter destruction. He would remember them in the midst of judgment in exile. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God still does not change. They had been warned, both now and later, through the prophets, that these things could take place, so they were without excuse. We've been warned about future rewards and punishments, in heaven or hell, so we are without excuse. God refers to their hearts as uncircumcised because circumcision relates to repentance and cutting away of the flesh. Romans 2, 28 and 29 says, A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. God promised that if, when they were exiled, they humbled themselves and repented, he would not reject them. God always hears a prayer of repentance. You've been listening to the Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Leviticus chapter 27. May God bless the study of his word.